Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. Tonight, I want to share a message on our identity. And I know that Levi preached a great message last Sunday night and John the week before on our identity. And on the fact that we could look at ourselves in a mirror. There was going to be a mirror, but there is no mirror. It doesn't matter. We can look at ourselves in the mirror and we can come face to face with an image of ourselves. But we come to understand that the mirror doesn't show us who we really are. The mirror just shows us a reflection of what we look like, not who we are. And that's why this scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. See, the Lord knows you fully. I want to read from Psalm 139 tonight as our text. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. He does tonight. He places his hand of blessing on your head, his hand of prosperity, his hand of favor. He places it on your head. Isn't that a beautiful picture of our Father's affection for us? Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I love that. He's laid it out. Your day that comes next. He's laid it out. Every day has been laid out. You know, we come to this passage, and I love this passage because it speaks of a God who truly knows us. But so often we ask this question, who am I really? How do I know who I am? How do I know what I'm meant to do with my life? How do I live a life that I'm going to find myself happy at the end of my days? How will I know that I've been true to myself? 
You know, this question has plagued humanity for years, for decades, for centuries, since the antiquities of early time when Socrates and Plato and Aristotle used to wander around in their big robes and look cool. And they inscribed upon the Greek columns, they inscribed upon those temples at Athens in Greek. I can't speak Greek, sorry. But in English, it was know thyself. And this was the great pinnacle of Greek scholarship. This was the great pinnacle of learning, was that the ultimate goal of humanity was simply to come to know thyself. And then Shakespeare tried to pick up this theme when he's in Hamlet and Polonius is coming to Hamlet and he says, Hamlet, to thine own self be true. And we understand in that, that actually you've got to be true to yourself, that you've got to know who you are and you've got to live true to that. But I wanna tell you that you don't find yourself by going somewhere else. You don't find yourself and know who you are by searching it out yourself. See, the ancients and the great philosophers of old had forgotten one key thing, that man is not his own end, that we are but a poor reflection and we will see one day face to face. We are not our maker, but we are made in the image of God. And it's when we come to look God in the face that we truly find out who we are. You know, tonight, I wanna give us seven key thoughts on our identity in Christ, on how do we discover who we are? How do I know who I am? How do I know if I'm being true to myself? How do I know if I'm living the life God always intended for me to live? How do I know that I'm gonna get to the end of time and those pages of my life that were laid out, that I lived them to the full? I wanna get to that moment where I stand before the Lamb and the book of life is opened and not only is my name written in that book, but the pages, he's not saying, oh, that didn't happen. No, that didn't happen. But that actually, he flips the pages with a big smile saying, yes, this was the course that I laid out for you. This is what I always designed for your life. So I'm gonna give us seven keys then on how we find our identity. Four things that we don't base our identity on and three things that we do. So first thing tonight is our identity is not defined by what happens to us. It's not defined by what happens to us. Okay, I've told this story before, but it's always a good one for this point. John and I, we're not dating yet. He was flirting. I was ignorant of this. (laughs) And he asked me to help with some outreach. And so there I was waiting for him and for his friend Kerry to come and pick me up to take me to help at the outreach. As we know well about John, he arrived in a flurry of activity. He arrived with a great hurrah and running late. He runs to time now, it's amazing. God has done a transformational work. It's true. He was running late. I was just sitting there waiting. I was already, believe it or not, things have changed. <laughs> Poor Melvin was tearing his hair out tonight when I was not here. Anyway, the mirror thing, it's all my fault. Okay, there I was waiting. They turn up, they're like, oh my goodness, we're running late. We're running this event for Winky Prattney. We have to be there. We have to get everything ready. We're meant to be running this event. We're going to be late. It's Auckland. It's chaos. I mean, I think Wellington now has worse traffic than Auckland, but potentially it was, it was worse back then. And we're like, we've got 10 minutes to get from Mount Eden to the top of Queen Street where we're running this event in the Salvation Army building. 
Time is ticking. What are we going to do? We get in the car. I sit in the back seat. I seat buckle myself in. I know it's going to be a wild ride to the ministry outreach and everybody will stay safe along the way in Jesus' name. No rules and speed limits will be broken. And so we buckle in and the boys say, I know what we're going to do. We're going to pray and ask God because you know what? We're never going to get a park along the street. We're never going to get it. There's no hope in hell. There's no hope in heaven. There's no hope anyway of getting a park. So we're going to pray because you know what? That building has a car park underneath it. And there is a keypad. If only God would give us the combination code to the keypad, then we would have a park. And anything is possible for the Lord. It's anything too hard for the Lord, John said, before he'd even preached the sermon. And there we were. We said, let's pray. Let's ask God for the number. And I said, absolutely. I was a woman of faith with men of faith. God would give us the code. This was entirely doable for our God. So I entered into the Spirit. We started praying. We started interceding. We were praying in tongues loudly, steaming up that car with faith. We were confessing, we were spitting, we were like holy preachers of old, stirring up the Spirit of the Lord within us to believe for these four numbers. So John, Kerry's driving, Kerry pipes up and says, John, I'm feeling the number four. And John goes, I have a witness, I have a witness. And I'm like, yes, yes, I have a witness. And that sounds good. And so we go, four, that's our first number. And then we keep praying and we keep praying. And I go, it's the number seven. And John goes, ooh. Ooh. And Kerry goes, ooh. And, Ke- and John goes, ooh, I don't really have a witness. And Kerry goes, no, no, I don't have a witness. And I'm like, oh, okay, no, no, let's keep on praying. We'll keep on praying. John, John's like, let's keep on praying. And so we keep praying. I'm like, no problem. And then I go, the number one. And Kerry and John go, yes, we have a witness. And I'm like, yes, yes, I've got a number. This is great. And so we got these numbers. And then John got one and Kerry got one. And before you know it, we had the four numbers. And we were driving up to that building. And I tell you what, we saw those barred gates. I felt like Moses and the Israelites and Miriam must have felt when they came to the Red Sea. But they knew it was going to part, but they hadn't seen it yet. We were there with bated breath, believing God for the miraculous working of His supernatural power and the provision of this number. The window went down. John entered the four-digit code as we continued to pray silently under our breath, thinking that God could override the mechanics, even if we didn't get the number right. He entered the code as we continued to pray. And I tell you, it was better than the Red Sea parting as the gate went up before our eyes. We shouted shouts of praise and songs of victory were issuing from our lips We had the victory. Our faith had overcome the gate and we passed through. We passed through. We fled from the enemy of Auckland traffic and into the safe space of the car park. As I was there to help, I went off to the bathroom, but I was so overcome by gratefulness to God that I spent about 10 or 15 minutes in there. When I came back, John goes, you all right? You all right? I'm like, he didn't know then that girls spend a long time in the bathroom especially when boys are flirting with them. I mean, let's be honest, right? And so there I was, having already spent at least an hour and a half getting ready before they'd picked me up. I now had to finish off my getting ready. And so there I was. He says, what were you doing? And I said, oh, John, I was thanking Jesus. He gave us the code. God is amazing. We had such faith, and it happened. And John just looked at me and went, 
<sighs> yes, yes, we did. He moved on. Now, I can't quite remember whether this was just after we had got engaged or shortly before, because you know when you're getting engaged, there's that clearing out process of things the future fiance must be aware of before they commit. And one is any lies that have been uttered. And so John came to me rather downcast one day and said, there's something you need to know. We always knew the code. He was lucky that I just laughed. <laughs> and I did say I got one number right. <laughs> you know, I want you to know tonight that you are not what happens to you. See, even though that moment was a test of faith and that I was going to suddenly doubt that I was a person of faith, I didn't doubt. I didn't doubt that I was a person of faith. I didn't doubt because I already knew who I was. And you know, in our lives, obviously that's a lighthearted example where something comes and makes you question who you are. But there is gonna be times in your life where things have happened to you, where people have robbed you, where people have abused you, where people have mistreated you, where people have called you names, where people have misunderstood you and made ill-informed judgments about you or about your actions. Perhaps they've even judged the intention of your heart and it's been incorrect. But in those moments, we can't let what happens to us determine how we see ourselves and who we are. See, what matters is not what happens to us, but what happens in us. How do we overcome these things? How do we forgive? How do we let go? We have to step into knowing who we are in Christ and not who they say that we are so that we can move forward. We are not defined by what happens to us. You know, if we're defined by what happens to us, we will live on a self-esteem roller coaster. I mean, trust me, I'm sure you've already been there. They said I sang really well and up we go. Oh, they said I did a great job on the camera, up I go. Oh, my, my mother said that I did great in my maths test, up I go. And then perhaps we've had a wonderful time and we're driving away from church and somebody honks the horn and says, get off the road, learner driver. And suddenly down we go, that's never happened to me. Down we go. I've been banned from any further driving illustrations, that was not one. Down we go, and then, you know, someone says, oh, would you stop singing in my ear, or oh, you've got bad breath, and down we go. Or, you know, you do what I do, and I go up to a famous singer-songwriter, and I say, oh, I just love that great song that you've written. And they go, which one? And I say, oh, that one. And they go, oh, I didn't write it. <laughs> down we go. <laughs> not feeling good right now. You know, if we are living according to what happens to us, we will live like this, feeling great one day and terrible the next, and we're putting our identity and our feelings in the hands of other people. Our feelings and our identity need to be in the hands of God so that what happens to us can't rob us. See, the devil comes to rob. He tries to take from us, but who we are has to be based on who Christ says we are, and the knowledge of that gives us confidence in the face of terrible events. You know, us, the second thing tonight that I want us to know, the second point is our identity can't be based on cultural norms or boxes. We live in a society that wants to divide us into our age. I mean, right now we've got, we've got the baby boomer generation versus the millennials with the superannuation. We've got a war in the media over that. But there is always a war of age or race 
or even sex and gender. There is always a war where the society is trying to cause a social divide or a division. You know, our society wants to identify us in boxes. But I want to tell you tonight, this is controversial, but you can't define yourself by the box, by being a New Zealand European, by being a Pacific Islander, a Cook Islander, a Nguyen, a, a Maori, a Tongan. You know, you can't define yourself by what society says you are. How can I say that tonight? How can I cross into this taboo and say you are not your social box? How can I do this? How can I say that you're not either cool or sporty? You're not either intelligent or dumb? That you're not gorgeous or ugly? That you're not the definitions laid out by our society? None of these boxes apply to the people of God. They are society's definitions. How can I say that? Because of Galatians 3, it says this, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one. See, we will be speaking one language under heaven, every tribe, every tongue gathered to declare His praise at the end of time. My friend, see, in Christ, the Bible says, all things hold together. We understand that the very nature of God is a unified God, that He is a trinity. He is in unified relationship that he does not separate what doesn't need to be separated. But the society we live in cannot handle unity. It, it doesn't speak a language of oneness. It speaks a language of separation. That's why in Arise Church, we don't have a youth department. We, don't, we have the, it's the youth team, it's the youth group, you know, it's the youth guys. We don't separate out what doesn't need to be separated because we understand that we are one in Christ. You know, I might have grown up with Madonna, but I love Michael Jackson, you know, just saying. I might have grown up without the internet, with Axel F, with Kylie Minogue. I don't know anything of crumping Gangnam Style or hip hop even, that came in after my time. But I wanna tell you that I'm not judged by the social hierarchy or the things that I know, I am judged as a person belonging to God. I want you to know that you can't be based on, your identity can't be based on your social boxes. Amen? Amen. Number three, are you enjoying this tonight? I'm taking too long. I've got to speed up and get to the good stuff, okay? Our identity can't be based on comparison. You know, we're more connected to the intimate details of everybody than we've ever been. <laughs> we can know what they have and what they do, what they eat for breakfast, what their bedroom looks like. I mean, goodness. We see a lot more than we need to see. Just saying. Is it helpful? No. And I know that we've put social media out there. I know that we've put social media out there as something that we always look at and we compare ourselves. But you know what? Our identity is not based on comparison. 
We are staying in our lane. How great was that song tonight? We are staying in our lane. We run our own race. It doesn't matter if somebody else had a baby at 25 and you're going to have one at 30. It doesn't matter if you buy a house at 30 and they bought one at 22. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter what somebody else has done. Those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Those who measure themselves by themselves are foolish, the Bible says. We are not to live an identity based on comparison. And my friends, don't look at social media and compare. How many followers have they got? How many have I got? What are they doing? What am I doing? Have I wasted my life? Why am I doing this when I should be doing that? It'll always tell us we're doing the wrong thing. But are you living? What was laid out for you to do? Live in your lane. Okay, the fourth thing. Our identity can't be based on other people. Our identity can't be based on other people. You know, some of us come from great families. We have families that encourage us, that tell us we're amazing. And some of us have come from families where we're, we're lucky to be here tonight. We're here by the you know, the thread of our coattails, and we're just happy to be here. But whether our family was wonderful or whether our family was a disappointment, our identity can't be based on other people in our lives. Our friends, our family, the people around us can't tell us who we are. You know, I think sometimes that people say things to us, and they mean it casually, but we take it to heart. You know, people say throwaway comments all the time. They say throwaway comments all the time, but we need to understand tonight that we should not give words a weight in our heart that they were never meant to carry. Okay, some of us were going around and letting other people tell us who we are because they said something to us and we've let that be the echo of our hearts. My friends, don't let the words that other people have said to you shape your own identity. What we need to do is let the Word of God give voice to our value tonight. See, people might have said all kinds of things to you, and and sometimes they didn't even mean it, but we've taken it as truth, when really it was never the truth. But let God's Word shape your real value tonight as you find out who you are by listening to who He says you are. And I tell you tonight that when I read out Psalm 139, that was telling you who you are to Him. Your works are wonderful. That is how God sees you, my friend. You know, I love the fact that it was David that wrote this psalm. And we studied the identity of David and the life of David and the anatomy of destiny series. And what a great series that was. But David learned one key thing. And that was that he didn't need to force his identity. He didn't need to force his destiny. You see, he had everybody telling him, that you're a reject, you're an outcast. He had his family tell him, and then he had success, he killed Goliath. But we then know that he was thrown out of the kingdom by Saul with a murderous spirit, wanted to kill David, who should have been a friend of David, who should have thought he was wonderful. He was rejecting him, he was outcasting him. And so even at that point, people were coming to David and saying to him, you need to kill Saul, you should kill Saul. But he did not listen to who they said he was. He listened to who God said he was. And he knew that there would be nothing unrighteous that he would do, that he was the Lord's servant. And he was conscience stricken when he even cut the square of Saul's robe. See, David had to learn something very important, that he wasn't responsible for other people. 
He was only responsible for himself. And our identity gets impacted by other people when we think we're responsible for them as well, when we're responsible for them. You know, I, um, I had to learn this when I was 17 and I had a close friend who died very suddenly. They took their life. And it was a horrible time in my life because you know why? I blamed myself. I did. I, knew, I, I totally believed that it was my fault. I thought, how could I have not known the darkness of their soul? How could I have not known the despair they were going through? What more could I have done? How could I have been in their world more? What could I have done? What should I have done? Why did I tell them about this music? They were listening to this music because of me. It made them depressed. Why did I do that? Blame, accusation, taking responsibility. It was crushing my identity, was crushing who I thought I was. I had to come to a point of realization of seeing that it wasn't my fault. I had to realize that every person is responsible for them, that every person makes a decision, but the only person that we are responsible for is ourselves. And I realized that the blame and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation was not mine to carry. And so I let it go. But you know what I did do? I made a decision. I was gonna love with every ounce of love that I had in my heart. I was gonna give as much as I had to give even when I was tired. I was gonna speak praise to people that were strangers. I was gonna be nice to people and kind to people wherever I went with every ounce of energy that I had. And I made a decision that my identity would be shaped positively and I would take responsibility to be the kind of person that could change somebody's destiny, that could turn somebody's identity around. That's the identity God wants us to have. That's the kind of freedom He wants us to have, that we're compelled by a higher calling and not compelled by wrong thinking. So that's four things that we shouldn't base our identity on tonight. Those four things were what's happened to us, cultural norms and society's boxes, comparison, other people, other people that have said things to us, other people that have done things to us, or other people, but their life has impacted us. Our identity can't be based on those four things. So what then? How now shall we live? Our identity is gonna be based on these three things that we're gonna pull out of Psalm 139 tonight. And I believe somebody in this room is gonna walk out with a weight off your shoulders. You're gonna walk out with your head held high. You're gonna walk out with ballerina shoulders. Yeah, even the guys, right? You're gonna walk out with a great posture without a weight that burdens you down. Number five, we base our identity on a God who knows us a God who knows us. I wanna tell you tonight that the closer we are to God, the closer we are to our real self. You will only know yourself when you draw close to God. That is the only way we come to know ourselves is by drawing close to God. How do I know this? When I was four years old, I stayed the night at a, at a vicarage place and I was sleeping over at this woman's house and she was putting my sister and I to bed. I was only four. And she prayed and the presence of Jesus filled the room when she prayed and I knew God was there. And I just had this impression, I'm gonna be like that lady one day. That was it. But as the presence of God came close, I knew who I was. And that's what happens. When we draw near to God, He reveals who we really are. 
About four years ago, we were staying up north. I think it was four years. I forget exactly. But we were staying up north at this beautiful house overlooking an ocean. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. It was three or four in the morning, and I got up, and I was pacing the lounge room, and I was praying, and I was praying, and I was praying, and I, I just couldn't sleep. And I started seeking out God. And then all of a sudden, I stopped pacing because the line of the tribe of Judah had entered the room. The presence of the Lord Almighty has, was filling that room. And when he fills the room, you just stop and you just stand there and you don't want to move because you don't want to scare away the presence of God by doing anything or saying anything. You're just soaking in the presence of God and the presence of God is majestic. And he was in the room and he didn't say anything to me that night, but literally I felt a hand push against my stomach and it was literally like I was pushed back. And then there was a fire. I felt a fire burning in the pit of my stomach and it was a fire like I'd never felt before and it was like a literal experience, a physical transaction. And from that moment on, I didn't have fear. I didn't have fear when I got up to speak. I used to be pretty afraid. In fact, I felt like vomiting all the time. But from that time on, I no longer felt like vomiting. Thank you, Jesus. It's good not to vomit before you want to speak. And there was something that when I stood up, I started to, the, the notes would blur and there would be something else that would come alive in me. Because the closer we are to God, the closer we are to our real self. And I tell you what, fire burns up fear. Fire burns up fear. And when we're in the presence of the Lord, we will know who we really are. You'll find who you were always destined to be when you draw near to Him. You see, Colossians 3.3 says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Oh, your life is now hidden with Christ and God. See, when we become a believer and we give our lives to Jesus, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. So how are you gonna know yourself? You have to know Christ. I have to know Christ and share in His sufferings. I have to know Christ. I count the world rubbish that I would gain Christ. Oh, may the knowledge of God increase. May our knowledge of God increase. God longs for your people that would seek after Him, that would hunger after Him, that would desire for more of Him. Let's not seek to know the world. Let's seek to know Him. And when we know Him, we will know who we're truly destined to be and walk out those days laid out for us in Jesus' Name. You know, I want you to know tonight that God knows you, but God knows you completely and accepts you completely. You are completely accepted completely, completely loved, completely adored, completely welcomed, completely. Number six, we base our identity on a God who shaped us. You created my inmost being, you knit me together. I want to tell you tonight, you're a master design. You're perfect. Oh my gosh, we don't have to change anything except that we would live for Jesus Christ that maybe we have to change our lifestyle or change our choice to live away from God. But we don't have to change anything of who we are because God designed us just to be who we are. The Bible says you are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance, laid out in advance for you to do. Workmanship, masterpiece. You are His masterpiece. My friends, if you were to get given a, a beautiful artwork by Vincent van Gogh or maybe by um, Monet or by Rothko or by one of these amazing artists, if you were given the original, would you ever trade it for the replica? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Which one is more valuable? 
The original, of course. The original is priceless. The original is always more valuable than any replica. So don't be the replica. Be the original. Be the masterpiece that God has designed for you to be. You don't need to copy someone. Don't compare because you're meant to be a masterpiece, an original, not a replica, not copying them. What we need to understand tonight is this. Our identity is tied to our destiny. Our identity is tied to our destiny. So you cannot separate what you are called to do from who you are. We think we can, but we can't. What you are called to do is also who you are. Because if we're God's masterpiece created in Him to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do, you can't separate your identity from your destiny. My friend, would you step in? Step into who you're always meant to be. Don't be somebody else. Don't look at somebody else. Don't worry about them. Be you, be you, be you. God says you're perfectly formed for a purpose. You know, when we find out what we're born to do and we do it, then we are truly alive. And if the band could come and join me, it would be amazing. You know, Ben's dad, he's not yet saved. He will be in Jesus' name. I love Ben's parents. They're gorgeous. They speak very Englishly. <laughs> and they play golf. They're wonderful people. They love their grandkids. You know, Ben's dad, I was very moved by this. He said to Ben, he said, Ben, he's not a Christian, but he sees Ben's passion for what he does. And he says, Ben, you're so lucky, son. Most people have to just go to work to live. But you live to work. You live to work. You love what you do. And isn't that the truth when we find what God is always destined for us to do? When we know what His purpose is, that we truly live. And that's why Pathway is wonderful, especially when you get to step three and you get to discover your purpose, learn your spiritual gifts, learn your personality and how that fits in God's purpose. We want you to be everything you could possibly be in Jesus Christ. Number seven. We base our identity on a God who thinks we are wonderful. Oh, my friends, I wanna tell you tonight, you're wonderful. You know, I, I know that we could laugh and say that it was a man who wrote this. <laughs> Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous. How well I know it. I'm sure a man wrote that, he did. <laughs> but all of us, seriously, all of us need to hear it men, women in this room. You are wonderfully complex. You are marvellous. You are wonderfully made. You're perfect. You're marvellous. God thinks the world of you. And we need to know tonight that when we receive Christ and we obey His commands, we've been adopted into His family. And you know, we watched the hunt for the wilder people. Uh, we watched it in the church at the movie series that we did here. I just love, love Ricky. Who doesn't love Ricky, right? I mean, he's so cute. Poor kid, he's got to grow up. <laughs> it's hard on child actors these days. Anyway, Ricky, there he is, Ricky Baker. Oh, I love that movie. Ricky Baker. Oops, I better keep going. I'm running out of time, but it's just such a good movie. Anyway, there's Bella. Who just loves Bella? Bella, she just embraces Ricky with all his faults and all his grunts and all his, you know, he's, he's very standoffish. He clearly doesn't want to commit to her, yet she's committed to him 100%. From the minute she sees him, she's like, he's mine. 
I'm giving him all my love. I'm giving him all my attention. Do you know what's really cool is that because she loves him so much, Ricky begins to discover things about himself that he never knew. He discovers that he loves dogs. He discovers that he loves going outdoors and going bush. He discovers that he loves things that he didn't think he would love, that he'd never experienced before. And that's what happens when we discover God's wonderful love for us, is that we begin to learn things about ourselves that we didn't even know. We begin to discover who we truly are. You know, I want you to know tonight that you have place settings and promises that are laid out for you. God has prepared a place for you. You might think you're not worthy. You might think because of what's happened to you, what other people have said to you, the box that society has put you in, that you're silly or that you're not smart or that you're this or you're that. You might think you're disqualified, but nothing disqualifies us. God has laid out a place for you, place setting, and it has filled with promises of who He's dreaming that you will be and of who you are. Tonight, I want you to know that you're seated by God and celebrated by Him when you choose Him. When you choose to base your identity on a God who loves you, He celebrates you. How do I know this? Because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Song of Songs 2.4, He escorts me to the banquet hall. It's obvious how much He loves me. God has a seat at the table for every one of us tonight. He has a seat at the table for you, my friend. He throws a party when we come to know Him. He celebrates us like crazy. All of heaven goes AWOL, goes crazy. The angels, they're massive, they're jumping, they're screaming when you come and you take your place. I wanna tell you tonight that heaven waits. Heaven waits with bated breath that the sons and the daughters would come home, that the people here tonight would say, I'm gonna take my seat. I'm gonna know who I truly am in Christ and I'm gonna draw near and find Him. He's laid out a table for you, my friend. He's laid out a plan and a purpose, but it starts by coming and sitting at the table where you look Jesus in the face. And when you look in the eyes of the Lord, you see eyes overflowing with love, overflowing with warmth, overflowing with acceptance. He died to give you everything that waits at that table for you. That is how great His love is. He died to show you how much He's dying and waiting to see you seated at the table. Oh, my friend, don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything hold you back from saying, I'm gonna take my seat. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come and sit at the table. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Gillian Cameron, go to arisechurch.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at Gillian Cameron and at Arise Church.